You're listening to episode 74 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12 acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. Sweet Lord Almighty, I don't even know how to begin to express my level of excitement for what's about to go down, y'all. First of all, today is the kickoff of season two of Scaling Up. Yep, you heard me correctly. We have officially wrapped up season one of the show, and we are doing our own little bit of Scaling Up for this next season, and it's going to be epic next level guests, insanely valuable needle moving content, and some wild firsts here on the show. All of that as evidenced by how we're kicking off the actual season with this episode. When the team and I sat down and we were brainstorming this upcoming season, we wanted to start it hella strong. And my mind immediately went to marketing legend Shannon Lutz. And it was a no-brainer. In fact, I adore this girl so much and No, she's going to light up your life with so much joy and insane business marketing knowledge that we decided to kick off season two with a three-part series with Shannon. Three parts, and each episode is better than the next. I just, I'm like mm, freaking out about the content of this season and how we're kicking this thing off. Shannon Lutz is the owner of The Social Bungalow, which I'm obsessed with. She's a marketing strategist for female entrepreneurs, and she's helping them make their impact and grow their income, but in such an incredible way. She is such an inspiration to entrepreneurs everywhere. I love, you guys know this, like I love stories of people who have taken their skill sets, gone after their dreams, said see you later to their their full-time jobs, and made it happen. And she said peace out to a 10-year marketing career where she Listen to this. She assisted in building multi-million dollar businesses and marketing A-list celebrities. Ever heard of A-Rod and J-Lo? Yeah, so has Shannon, and she worked directly with them. So now she uses this marketing prowess that she has to turn solopreneurs into six and seven figure CEOs. This episode is all about how to create magnetic and high converting content, which is essentially the key to attracting the right people into your business who actually want to pull out their card and pay you. And make sure to pay close attention in the next few episodes because come the third of this three-part series, Shannon and I have something special for you. So let's kick off the first episode of season two and the first of a three-part series with the lovely social bungalow babe herself, Shannon Lutz. All right, so we are going to break the podcasting airwaves with this, Shannon. I don't know if you've heard the news, but we're We're doing something that's, um, for our listeners, that's never really been done done before on the show. And people are either going to love us dearly, 
or be so terribly sick of us over the next few weeks that they cut us out of their lives completely. But for me, the challenge is accepted. So I'm thrilled, Shannon, to welcome you to Scaling Up as we kick off our three-part series, you and I, to roll in season two of the show. So welcome. Ah, thank you so much. What a blunt and very true intro. (laughs) (laughs) As our team was starting to map out our 2020 podcast plan, I was watching you really start to shine more and more in the online business scene and with your marketing content and thought leadership in this space. And it didn't really take long for me to become a follower and then a fan and then start to dabble in your courses, which are amazing. But uh, when we were talking as a team about how we really want to kick off the second season of the show, you came to mind for me. And so part one of this three-part series is all about creating magnetic and high converting content. But before we dive into that, I want to hear all things Shannon. So tell me about your background, what led you down this path, what entrepreneurship has looked like for you, like the social bungalow, just spill it. We want to hear all about you. Awesome. Absolutely. So it was a moonlit night in Florida. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So I am a marketing fanatic. I absolutely love marketing. I have dedicated my entire career to it. I fell into it kind of organically 11 years ago now and decided that that is what I needed to do. So all of the schooling and the certifications and dove into, I want to climb the ladder. I need to do this via corporate. And 11 years ago, working from home was more you know, taboo. It wasn't something that was as tangible. Technology, social media hadn't, I mean, Instagram wasn't what it was now. So I kind of just dived headfirst into going from company to company and title to title and vying for the corner office and the big title and all that good stuff. And I like to say that my rock bottom came at the top, which I know I, when I tell this story, I'm like, I know you're rolling your eyes and you're thinking I'm an ungrateful little twit, but here's what happened. I worked very hard and I got to the point of VP of marketing. I was working with Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, most casual name drop of all time. No big deal. No big deal. And, um, I was stationed in Hamptons in Miami and they had me up in this high rise and I finally did it. We had gotten on Ellen and People Magazine and all these things were, were popping off. And I had done some boring corporate marketing for different companies and industries. I'd done the celebrity marketing. I'd really run the gamut. And here I was kind of everything, the lofty travel, see the country on the company's dime had happened. And I remember looking out at the ocean and thinking, okay, I'm like, I'm good. I'm done. I feel a little unfulfilled. I feel a little bit controlled and I kind of want to crawl out of my skin and I'm living groundhog day to a point. Like it's suddenly the veil was dropped. And with that, it came clear to me that making the greats even greater was only going to be fulfilling for so long. And I really wanted to help quote unquote, the little guy. And so to me, that looked like, let me jump into local. I'm in Las Vegas, local Las Vegas, brick and mortar, small businesses, or, you know, just tiny, tiny little places that really needed my help. But of course, the thing there is that they don't have a big budget and they also are very much tied to a physical unit sold outcome. And that was very familiar to a lot of the pressures in corporate. It just had a different dress on. And so I decided, let me step back even a step further and find something that feels very purpose driven and is focused on impact. And that's where the female entrepreneur space just kind of was this shiny corner of the internet where everybody is so supportive. And I was able to dive headfirst and realize this is what I've always been made to do, who I've always been made to serve. So with that, I created the social bungalow, which is, it's a virtual home essentially for everybody to come and feel safe, heard and appreciated. But we are a community of 
high-powered, ambitious, very thorough, detail-oriented, experience-heavy women who are made to serve, and they just need some connective tissue to get that brilliance. So I teach in courses and coaching and just community-style free content how to do this business and marketing thing the right way the first time. And I love the social bungalow. I've been in there for a little while now and it is, that's like a perfect way of describing it the way you just did. And our listeners know that I'm like, I'm a total sucker for someone who takes their skill sets and their passions from their day job. And they say, okay, I like the principles of what I get to do. And I like, you know, for me, it was marketing as well in a corporate setting, but I don't want to have to do it someone else's way. I don't want to have to do it uh, within the confines of this structure and then takes those skill sets, those experiences, those passions, and then they leap out on their own. So before we get into the content piece, because I know that's what people are kind of salivating for here, tell us more about like those early stages when you actually made that transition from full-time corporate career that you're doing great with to, holy heck, I'm an entrepreneur. And, you know, was it like a gradual transition? Were you still working full-time? You know, what did that look like? And what were kind of some of the like scarier moments? Because I think people need to hear those to know that, no, 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 it's not like Shannon just went from like the tippity top of this business to the tippity top of entrepreneurship. There was this probably, I would assume, a transition that maybe wasn't so certain for you in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody's going to experience that, but I did do it in a way where there was minimal collateral damage. So I made a, a smart transition plan for myself where I knew um, this is, I made my packages and slowly but surely I got to know my ideal client and I really um, got inside of her head and nailed my messaging and did those things over a couple of months and then had the packages come to life. And from there, it was, it was mostly coaching. I had a, an access point for myself. So this is the amount of money I need in savings. This is the amount of clients I want to have on the docket, warm leads I want to have on the spreadsheet tracker to really know what's happening for myself. And at that point, wrote it down on the wall. So I knew that is when I have to do that uncomfortable walk into HR's office and say, here's my two week notice. So with that, it took me about three months to get to that point. And then it took another month for me to decide, okay, you have to actually force yourself into the office and, and have the conversation. And so by my fifth month in the social bungalow, I was full-time. And with that, I had the cushion of my corporate salary in the first four months. And then I had a severance pay. I had clients on the docket. I had leads in the pool, in the funnel. And so I was able to just kind of hit the ground running from there. It's definitely not the growth that I'm at now or what I've been able to do by going full-time, but it wasn't as painful as a lot of people say. Or I always say like starting your business, business does not have to be as desolate as those inspirational stories that you hear. You do totally. not need to move across the entire world with only $2 to your name and you're homeless in your car. And if you do, then incredible. That testimony is show so much resilience, but really for the most majority of everybody, you can do this the smart way and make it not be so painful. I am so glad you shared that because I think sometimes people do, I mean, this is what is sexy is hearing those stories that are like, you know, back was against the wall. And then I had to make this magic happen. And I was going through such a strife during that time. And the thing that I want to highlight is like, when you are staying in your corporate career, or whatever your career is for a little bit while you build this business on the side and you do it really smart. And I love that you had like all the things mapped out as you were doing it. So you could be really intentional about it. That might mean there's a period of a different kind of sacrifice where you're, you know, you're working long days and you're in your full-time job and then you're coming home and you're having to do this hustle and 
So the, there's always going to be some sacrifice, but the sacrifice doesn't have to be a high risk sacrifice. You know, that's a, it's an exhausting sacrifice to be doing both, but it's not like I'm putting, you know, like using my kid's college fund to try and invest in this business that I'm starting that's uncertain and instead use your your job as the investor in your business. And that's what I try and help my newer clients to entrepreneurship do. So I'm, I'm so glad you highlighted that. So in our world, like online business, entrepreneurship in general, not just content is king, but really good content is king. Like just posting to post is not necessarily serving us, but we all want to like beat the algorithm, good content. Like we want to connect with the right prospects that are ultimately going to convert for us, good content. We want to be an authority in our space. That's good content. Like there's just so much behind this, this thought that like you have to be putting this goodness out into the world and creating stuff that is actually going to speak to your ideal client in order for them to want to work with you and, and ultimately convert. And all that is great in theory and it's true, but I think sometimes it's hard to know what good content looks like. Like, can you paint us a picture of what you mean when you say magnetic or high converting content? Like, what is that exactly? Not just like, yeah, you're really good at telling a story, but there's more to it. And I would love to hear your explanation of it. Absolutely. That's so well said. And really for you guys listening, being in Elizabeth's community, it's much, it's, there's a lot of higher level and the things that you teach with scaling, it's very much so let's, even if you're at a beginning stage, be strategic with the way that we're moving the needle so that you do have capacity to scale. And that's how I approach content as well. So I'm big on quality over quantity, but in that finding a balancing point with consistency to answer your question more literally, um, let's take a of course, marketing, big on psychology as well. So there is in behavior economics, human buying patterns and um, behaviors, there's something called the endowment effect. The endowment effect says that when somebody actually purchases from you, their commitment and their affinity for what they purchased goes up threefold. And what that means for us when we're giving free public facing content is even if you give away some juicy tidbits, some mind blowing moments, as I call it, some of your best stuff for free, when somebody does purchase your coaching, your service, your product, their affinity goes up threefold. And when you are on the part of the fence where you haven't purchased and you love the person, but you're still trying to be careful with your wallet, you're trying to poke holes and see, you know, is this really everything they're saying it is? there's an element of judgment in keeping yourself at an arm's length from the purchase. Once you purchase, that judgment goes out the window because your money has now been sent over the internet. You are in the fold with this person and you're like, rose-colored glasses slide onto my face. I need to get everything out of this because I invested in it. And so when you pluck things from the, si the purchase side of the fence and you put it on the public free side of the fence, that allows for people to have their neural pathways almost rewritten in some of these things that are going to blow their minds or give them a light bulb moment so that they can grasp things in theory and then hit the ground running in practice once they purchase from you. So with that, I take that belief and I take some of the things that I cover exclusively with high level one-on-one -on -one clients and I take one fragment of it because you know so much more than you realize when you start talking about it. Typically you can write a small dissertation on any one of the topics that you go over with your clients. Take a little part that really lit her up, made it, you saw her eyes, you know, widen and, and bring it over to a post and say, how can I take this, boil it down to where it's more digestible, a little bit more universal, and really give some of my best stuff for free. 
Mm, yes. And I think sometimes people like tread lightly with that. I feel like there are many schools of thought of like, oh, well, I don't want to give too much away for free because then they're not going to want my paid content. But what you just shared and even the psychology behind it, which I love because that's like backing something by science and data that's not just about selling and, and what's going on in the internet. You need them to get to that trust level. And then when they purchase, there's an even higher trust level and a likability factor and a loyalty. So I think that's so huge. So as we're creating content and hopefully high quality content, we'll get into like the breakdown a little bit of, of what that looks like and what some of the things are that we're creating. But first, just speak a little bit to what channels or mediums are the best place to be putting our content out there. Like, do we have to repurpose it everywhere? Like, do you pick one and run with it? What are your theories on that? Mm -hmm. I always say that there isn't it's not so much about generating traffic. It's about the traffic already exists. Go stand boldly in front of it. So you want to see where your ideal client is already hanging out and jump into the pool with them. You don't want to say they're on Instagram and you're like, well, Facebook's going to be my place. It's less saturated by my competitors. So if I'm going there, I'll stand out. And if you're producing live video and great quality content and you're at this pool party for three and they're over there bumping at the rager and you're like, hey, come over here. And they're like, we can't hear you over our awesome party. You would, it's much better for you to go to the party and then make a big scene, make a big splash with them there. So really researching what's the, the platform that they're hanging out in and then jumping into it. For me, with working with female entrepreneurs, they are on Instagram, not only to consume as a user, but also to create as an authority. And so that's the place to be for us. A lot of it comes down to if you serve people who aren't experts themselves and you are in more you know, life, motherhood, mindset, being able to say, I want to just meet you where you're at and I want to be able to help you with the most dire need, the thing that's on your mind, the most that's keeping you up at night. And you are, when you're casually scrolling, you're doing it on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram, insert platform here. That's where I'm going to meet you. Mm -hmm. So figuring that out first and then really drilling down into one main and two sub. And so what I do is Instagram is my main platform my Facebook group and my email list are my two subs. So I use those three as a triangle to do different content on each platform and then play them off of each other for omnipresence. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is I will give on my Instagram story, I'll say, Hey, go join me in 30 minutes for this insert juicy, amazing result title here video that I'm going to share. Then in my Facebook group, I'll go live and I'll give two tips and I'll say, Hey, in today's post, I'm going to give the third tip. And then I go and I post. And in the post, I say, by the way, there's a, uh, a bonus for anybody who's reading this. It's going to be in your email today. DM me if you're not on the list. And then I'll put that on the email. And so a lot of times people say, oh my goodness, creating fresh content per platform feels so overwhelming. Why can't I just repurpose and recycle my same pieces? To that, I say, you're going to get your audience into a space of, if I open this person's content on Instagram, I've already read it because I know they're going to email me about their same post and I can just go ahead and delete it because inbox zero is always the goal. And so training them in the ability of opening things for me equals value equals unique content and it's going to be time efficient and high on implementation for you is key. And so I will, instead of trying to come up with a fresh point for platform, write out from my zone of genius, just allow myself to get into flow and not self-edit one big page of tips, and then I will give two on one platform, one on the other, three on the other to play them off of each other. Yeah. So speaking of that, I want to talk about, you know, you kind of are starting with this concept of just brain dumping without letting anything get in the way of it. When we're starting to create content and we're starting to create more high quality content, and then we're going to break it down, we're going to put it on different platforms. 
I see a lot of people posting as the mood strikes them or they're like, oh, I have to post every single day because that's what so-and-so told me. So now I'm sitting in this moment with my kids like running around and I'm uninspired and I'm exhausted and I'm like, well, I have to come up with something. So I, I better start writing a post versus being a little more premeditated and creating content via batching. So I know you do this and I would love for you to talk a little bit about this concept of like, don't just create one thing at a time and don't just create, you know, in the moment necessarily. There's other strategies you can use to one, make it more efficient to be, you know, getting in a state of flow and actually creating stuff from a place of creativity versus like necessity. What's your strategy and and what tips could you give us? Yeah. And to comment on the daily posting while we're here, I just have to say, don't do that. You really and truly are killing the reach per post. And so you are doing a disservice to Monday's post when Tuesday's comes out and then on and on and on. And if you posted Monday, Wednesday, Friday, each of those would get more reach because that's the way the algorithm is built. Really Mm. and truly, you are squashing the eyeballs that can see each of your brilliant posts. And so last week's content is kind of uh, null and void when you get to this week, if you're posting that frequently. So And I've seen you go even like days or even sometimes take a little bit of like even up to a couple of weeks, right? Where you have a little bit of a hiatus and you're not just posting for the sake of posting. And that's why when I see your content, it really is all high quality content. Like you're not getting the random quote influencer post and it's like a picture of you with a smiley face and like one liner. You're actually getting incredible tips, incredible content. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of people being like, oh my God, I don't have to post every single day. I don't have to post through. I see some people posting like three times a day. I'm like, good Lord, when do you like do everything else? It's just crazy to me. Yep, completely. And with that, I do say be on your stories every day. And this is Monday to Friday because we're all about balance. You know, have your weekends, have your family, like really turn off and tune in. But Monday through Friday, be on your stories. Let them know what you're up to, how you're, you know, moving the needle in your business or for your clients, all that social proof of people saying you're the bomb.com. Awesome. From there, only post two to three times a week, max. You don't need more than that. And um, what was your initial question? <laughs> I was just thinking like, what did I ask again? No, about like the concept of like batching content and working in a state of flow versus like posting in the moment. Totally. So sitting down and staring at a blank piece of paper or seeing your cursor just flash at you and it's almost mocking you and it's so hard to pull it out of you. It's it's very hard. So what I do is throughout the week, as I hear something in a podcast, I read something in an article, I've got a shower thought that sparks my mind. Or even when I advise a client on something and she thinks that that was great. And I'm like, oh, I guess that was pretty good. I, I didn't even think that it would have that much merit, but apparently for the people I serve, it does. You're so close to your expertise. It's hard to see where that, that helpful point or that basic point is going to be. So write it all down. I have a note in my phone where I keep note of everything throughout the week that inspired me. Even if there's an article or a podcast episode I want to listen to in a little bit more detail. A lot of times people say, well, I don't want to feel like I'm copying somebody else. And you absolutely are not. If something inspired or sparked an idea in you where you have an expertise that can speak to that, And you're like, oh, I talk about that too, but I talk about it in this way. That's how you're able to use things as inspiration, which what is art, what is content in the world without some source of inspiration? You're using something as your muse essentially. And so when it comes to writing, people are very kind of gun shy to say what is okay and what isn't okay to use as inspiration. Use everything, just make it completely and totally your own expertise, your own voice, your own tips. So with that, I sit down with some sort of a framework of suggestions for writing. 
And what I do is I knock out two weeks worth of content with a goal of having three posts on an A week and two posts on a B week. So I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, the following week, therefore five posts. With that, I will sit down with my inspiration and really just outline the five posts. If I want to expound on a point because it's a little bit, uh, I'm more passionate about it, I just let myself type it out. I don't self-edit. I start my sentences the incorrect way and just allow it to be more conversational in the way that I would actually think and, and speak. Put that all in there. And then I zhuzh it a little bit and then I leave it. And the morning of posting is when I take 10, 15 minutes to fill in some of the blanks to say, oh, I really actually don't like the way I said that, or this was brilliant. Let me move that around. Bam, I post it. So with batching, a lot of times people think, how am I supposed to pull these epic, juicy, quality-driven novels out of me time and time again? Because Instagram has turned into more of a micro-blogging platform and sit down and do two weeks worth of content. And to that I say, outline it, get the meat and potatoes on there, and then you can add the side dishes the morning of when you have more of that cognitive energy. For me, I am sharper first thing in the morning versus in the afternoon or evening, but some people are night owls. And if you wanna zhuzh in the PM for your AM post, by all means. I think we need to address the fact that zhuzh is a way underused term <laughs> and we need to bring it back. My great aunt Ida used to say zhuzh a lot. And I, I think it just needs to be revived and I'm glad you've done it here. If for nothing else, this whole podcast has been worth it just for that. I don't know what's happening with me or maybe this it's just being called to the carpet lately, but the last podcast interview I did, she said, oh my gosh, you remind me of my Nana Rose and now I'm your great aunt. <laughs> well, if it, are you good at making meatballs? Cause my great aunt Ida was like, legendary meatball maker so maybe she's like a kindred spirit or you've come back like she's come back as you you know she's been gone for a while so that's possible that's why we're so close it makes I, sense. <laughs> oh my god I love it all right well we digress but that was important this is making me think now like okay so sitting down getting myself in a good frame of mind love the fact that all of a sudden I went from thinking like two weeks of content is 14 posts to possibly five posts you just took a ton of pressure off of me but now how do I know like what are my topics you know because some of us are multi-passionate we run multiple businesses we have different interests where yeah we we run businesses and we talk about marketing but we're also moms or we're into health and like how do we pick our categories how many categories of things should we have that we pull from you know how do we become that authority figure if we're talking about multiple different things help us streamline and know what kind of content to make for our people as we sit down to write it mm -hmm. the most important thing is to have some sort of a compass like you said because otherwise you can just be pinballing all over the place and so with this i have people go through a process of creating their content pillars which there are three overarching pillars and then we have subtopics within each one the importance of this is that it really truly gives you that guide to know and feel confident that you provided enough value and the right type of value for your audience because you did that research, market research work ahead of time. The second is that it gives your audience the ability to word of mouth talk about you in the way that you wanna be talked about. And so if you sit down and say, well, I'm an expert in this and I wanna be the authority on that. And so I need to say that in order for people to know it. And really we think, I don't wanna be, um, unhumble basically and say like I'm the go-to expert in this but really and truly if your audience doesn't hear you say it first they're not just going to extract that from your profile and be able to know that you are the expert in it so saying it saying it again and then talking about those same topics repeatedly allows someone to say hey I'm seeking a marketing expert hey I'm seeking a mindset expert or my friends going through something and then that person says oh I know someone she focuses on a B and C and she's totally the go-to expert in D 
And without that, it's very hard. And then of course, also with content creation, it just creates a massive level of efficiency when applied strategically using a content calendar system, because then you can place your pillars on the calendar and say, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, here are my three pillars. And then Tuesday and Thursday, I'm repeating the two that I felt the most passionate about. Mm, I love that. And I love the idea of working from a content calendar. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Like you can literally use a regular calendar, uh, you know, a blank notebook. You can use a more sophisticated system. It's just about knowing what you're going to speak about ahead of time. So as we're creating this content, any like, okay, definitely always do this or hell no, stop doing this, like the must do's, the stop doings, the thing, maybe the patterns that you see both good and bad that you could like throw our way that would help. I would say that a lot of times people focus on, they see what other people are doing in their space and they know that it's a good idea. And so they want to do something similar. And I'm not opposed to that because if you see a wheel that's been created successfully, you don't need to recreate it. You just need to find your place in it and have your own unique spin. But a lot of times it just we get so horse blinded within our own space and the people that we look up to and they kind of rattle around in our head more than we realize. And then we feel, you know, maybe self-deprecating. What do I have to say that's different from what they had to say? Or, you know, they did the me in 2017 versus me in 2020 post. And so I want to do something. And just, it ends up being a very saturated content pool. And so if you can allow yourself the ability to remove yourself from the situation, consume different content, even if it's not related to your space. And then when you are doing that free flow writing, take an opportunity to say, I always look at a post and say, how could I make this better? And then I do that again. How could I make this better? And if I'm at that point where I'm like, if I make it any better, this is stuff that people pay me for, then good. You want to be right before that to have some of your juiciest stuff good to go. There aren't really a ton of like, you know, unless there was something specific that you want to ask about do's or don'ts, because each space is different. And you, it's really about connecting with your audience, being a human who's taking care of needs and selling from a place of service and high quality. And so if you can show something to your best friend and have her read it out loud and say, wow, that read really well. I just learned something and I'm not even in your niche. And um, also I was confused by half of it because I'm not in your niche. Then you probably landed on it. Things that I personally don't love to see is I'm all about tips and lists and, you know, how to's absolutely. But when you give basic tips that, you know, your audience already knows, such as if you're in mindset and you say today, I want you to do meditation, journaling, and um, try to let go of some of those limiting beliefs. Everybody and their mother has said that Pinterest has said that. What can you do to take one of those and go a little bit deeper? Maybe you can walk them through, if you can, in text form for your caption, an exercise to let go of a limiting belief or create a carousel post or a video post or an IGTV where you show them, I'm going to walk you through this exercise right now together. Give me three minutes of your time and it's going to completely change your state right now. How could you do something that goes deeper versus wider? Because a lot of times we try to cover a lot of different topics and tips. And so we take shallow scoops out of everything versus going deep on something that's really paramount for people. Yes, yes, and yes. Like, I can't tell you how many times lately at the time of this recording, we're kind of quarantined at the moment and we're seeing like so many tips on how to reduce stress, but the tips on how to reduce stress is like, go take a bath. And I'm like, Hmm, I like that. That's helpful. It's hygienic. It's obvious, but like, give me something more. Is there something I should be putting in my bath? that would be a real great stress reliever or should I add Epsom salt because it detoxes the system and, and gets out some of that cortisol that's really stressing you out. Like 
love the idea of go deep, not wide, because that's what people are going to resonate with. And that's what's going to click and make them be like, oh, she knows my pain points and she's seeking to help solve them. I trust her. I want more from her. And she's going to become my go-to resource in this category of my life. So I love that concept. And I think you're spot on. So I have decided over these next three episodes that we're doing together, I'm going to ask you a question that isn't rehearsed or shared ahead because it's stuff I know our homies are going to want to know about you. And I think it helps us feel more connected to you and like you're a real human, not just like a superhero that does all this marketing stuff perfectly and beautifully because that's how it appears sometimes. So what has been in this whole entrepreneurial journey, like shifting from, you know, a really great career into your own thing? What's been the first thing that comes to mind? Don't overthink it. The biggest struggle that you've overcome in this process, because Social Bungalow is relatively new. Is that right? Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. I started in the fall, winter of 2018. And then I went full-time in my corporate career in April, May of 2019. That's and amazing. we are in March of 2020. So just about a year now, full-time in existence, just about a year and a half. What is, sorry, what has been the struggle in building it? Like the, what's the biggest struggle that pops out? Like, okay, last year and a half, you've been building this business. It's, it's doing amazing, but have there been like roadblocks or moments or challenges that you've encountered along the way that stand out to you that you're like, wow, that was a doozy. And just, you know, something that you've obviously overcome because you're still here telling the story, but something that stands out that's been a big struggle? I would say that it hasn't been something that, you know, at that level, it's working through a mistake or a big doozy and trying to like, oh my gosh, now that I'm here, this is such a spaghetti mess. It's been more so new level, new devil style where mm -hmm. I have rapidly grown. And so at each new level, I, you seek the growth, you seek the new, the increased audience size and to be able to impact more lives and more money and all these things. And then when you get there, you think it's going to be easier because you have abundance, but it's harder because there's more people who need you, who look up to you. There's more money to decide what to do with like taxes, IRS, figuring out what that looks like with your bookkeeper, let alone all these lives you're responsible for and selling feels great when somebody says yes, but did you take on too much? And kind of figuring out all of the new level stuff has been the biggest hurdle time. Like my hurdle that I'm leaping over in the Olympics keeps getting higher and higher. And I'm just like really working my quads out is basically what's happening yes. uh, in metaphor. <laughs> and so with that, it's been a lot of seeking counsel, hiring coaches, hiring increasing assistant support. And that's also very scary to a point where I don't currently have full-time employees, but they do operate at full-time hours to a point. Um, and I pay them as contractors. But with that, the payroll, I do my, I do my um, business as an S corp. And so I pay myself through a payroll company month over month. So mine, theirs, my coaches, and the amount of expenses that increases in order to keep up with this and really making sure where you, when you sit down and you get quiet with yourself, is this growth? going in the right direction because you can just so blindly bowl in a china shop, go, 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 and almost trip over yourself. So I haven't had a ton of issues in the process because I think for a lot of people here, it's very much so you're hardworking, you know your expertise, and you will pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Like if you are in the scaling up community, you probably are a badass, if I can say that. And so with that, you're probably not making a ton of mistakes, but you are going quickly and you are growing rapidly and scaling the right way is of the utmost importance, kind of slingshotting, pulling back to go forward. Because otherwise, every new level, you're like, wow, okay, look at all this stuff that I need to do. And just even the amount of stress, I was just saying yesterday, 
I feel like I'm always behind. I wake up behind because I'm self-imposing this guilt on myself because there are, I wake up to so many DM messages and then boxer messages from clients who are overseas, Australia. So we're in all these different time zones and I feel like I wake up, I don't wake up and go right to my phone, but I feel like I have to, to a point some days. And so with that, how do you balance it? And I sought counsel from my girlfriend who I've worked with, Jordan Lee Dooley. She's a you know, national best-selling author and 300,000 followers, wonderful woman. And I was like, how do you not stress yourself out with the amount of notifications and people kind of pecking at you, wanting a piece of you and so many people needing you? How do you find a balance? And she's like, you don't. You just allow yourself to get over it. You just let messages go unread. You have your team, you do your best and that's that. And just knowing that sometimes the answer is you're not going to be able to respond to everybody. You're not going to be able to keep up with everything has been a good learning lesson for me with that. Yeah. And I can so resonate with that process because I think sometimes we fall into the trap of saying, I'll be X when, like I'll be less stressed when, I will be happier when, I'll know I made it when. And, and the reality is, is that when you are truly entrepreneurial minded and you are passionate about what you do and you are good at what you do and you really do lead with a servant's heart and you're a creator, there's just no shortage of of things to do and, and people to serve and things to create and stuff on your heart. And then with that, like as you're doing it and you're doing it well, there are new levels. So letting go of that, like I'll be X when feeling or, or way of thinking is very freeing. And also taking those moments. Um, right now I'm reading the book, Cal Newport's Deep Work for the second time, because I am very much like a doer a number three on the Enneagram. Like I want next levels, achievement, all that. I want to serve my people well, but I have to take those moments where I'm like, exactly what you said. It's okay that this is going unanswered. It's okay that my team's going to take this on for the next couple of weeks. You know, last week I got sick and it was the first time in a long time that I was like, oh, I physically cannot do anything and I'm going to be just fine. It's a tough battle, tough battle. And I can completely relate to what you just shared. So thank you for sharing it. As far as resources, any like apps you like to use for content creation or anything that pops into your head in this space, any books you've read on it. I just like my audience to have resources that may have served you, even if it's like I attended this seminar or I listened to this podcast or whatever. I keep it pretty simple on the app front. So I do the note on my phone, pen to paper, Word doc, just to kind of get it out of my brain and, and written. And that's such an important tip. If it's rattling around, get it out on paper, even if it's not going to ever see this, the light of day, because keeping things in your brain, even if it's just content ideas or it's a massive to-do list item or it's micro get back to this person via email thing, that's the stuff that keeps you up at night and disturbs your rest. So really just get things out. From there, I write it, I zhuzh it, and then I send it to myself via email. I will literally email myself my content, and then I take it to the app on my phone called Content Office, which is one of the many grid planner style apps that are out there. There's Preview and UNUM, Later, Planoly. There's so many. I use Content Office. And with that, it allows you to kind of drag and drop your images around so you can decide where you want your grid to lay out. And then I copy and paste the caption with the image, and then I post through that app in real time because I like to have my finger on the pulse of engagement by engaging prior to my post, during my post, and after my post to show the algorithm, hey, I'm here, I'm interacting. It's okay for you to serve my content to people. I'm there to answer questions. And that's all. And I call it a good day. I literally use one app to make it happen. Yeah, that's good to hear too, because I think sometimes people get caught up thinking like they don't know the latest tech and that's what's holding them back. 
And that's so far from the truth. Pen to paper works just fine too. And, and whatever else sits well with you. So I'm happy to hear that you're not like, you didn't list off 15 apps that we need to be using to do this. No. Uh, okay. So aside from here on scaling up, where can people come find you? Yes, you can come hang out with me on Instagram as if we haven't mentioned it enough. It's the social bungalow is my handle. And I go down in the DMs all day. I have, you know, fresh quality content like we talked about. There's always some fun link in my bio. So do come say hi and we'll hang out. And next we are talking all about Instagram growth strategies, specifically tapping into Instagram story psychology and how you can be attracting your ideal avatar or customer. So you guys definitely want to tune into part two with the lovely Shannon. I would love, and I think Shannon would love too, if you guys could start this process of content creation based on some of the stuff you learned here today and tag us in your content. And take a screenshot of this episode, throw it up in your stories, tag Shannon at The Social Bungalow and me at Eliz Hartke so we can see your amazing new content. We can cheer you on through this process. We can reshare it. Uh, we want to know that you're being served through this, the work that we're, we're doing here. And we want to give you more of what you're looking for. But we also love reading really good content. So make sure to let us know when you're doing it. Absolutely. Shannon, you are the bomb. And I'm pretty pumped. This is not goodbye. This is just until next episode. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom and your value and your judging and all the good things and being a little bit of like reminiscent of my aunt Ida, who I miss dearly, just all the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to be an elderly woman. Uh -huh. uh, just the most of me. Oh <laughs> you guys, thank, you for, thank you so much for listening to this and, you know, just don't overthink it. I, I totally agree with everything she just said. Please do go and start writing that content. Tag us, get your voice, your mission, your message out there. Your expertise is brilliant and your zone of genius comes through more than you know. Don't be shy about sharing some of your best stuff for free and it will make a huge difference. Amen. We will end on that note. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.